0: Bonjour, it's Léa, journalist in Brussels covering EU affairs. I'm back at the beginning of the year to present you the priorities of the different political groups in the European Parliament for 2023. Should I also remind you that there is only a little over a year left until the next European elections in May 2024? This means that 2023 is not only a new year for the members of the European Parliament, but also their opportunity to conclude as many legislative files as possible before the campaign, especially on the topics that are dear to their voters. As members of the European Parliament, or MEPs, were participating to a mini-plenary session in Brussels rather than Strasbourg in the first days of February, I took the chance to meet some of the group chairs and ask them about their priorities. Spoiler alert! We'll be talking about Ukraine, migration, climate ambition, and social justice. The year 2023 has been going on for just over a month now, and after the winter break and a slow return to office, the European Parliament is fully back on track. During the two-day plenary session in Brussels that I just mentioned, MEPs discussed the main topics of interest of this year. The war in Ukraine remains high on the agenda as fighting continues, and Ukraine hopes to join the EU as soon as possible. For most of the political groups, the war and its consequences are the first thing to deal with in 2023. And this is shared by the largest group in the European Parliament, the Centre-Right European People's Party, better known as EPP. I caught the chair of the group German MEP Manfred Weber in the corridors of the European Parliament as he was leaving a voting session. Well, as EPP group we want to keep Europe together, that's the most important thing in these war times, and to show solidarity with our Ukraine friends, that's obviously the most important issue. This priority in particular has to go hand in hand with the will of the member states in the Council, because they have a crucial role to play in foreign policies. And for now, the Swedish presidency of the Council of the EU that runs from January until July this year has also put Ukraine at the top of its political agenda. In case you wonder, being president of the Council of the EU for six months means that you organize and need all the technical and political works being done between member states during that period. Let's now listen to Ulf Christensen, the Prime Minister of Sweden, who addressed the MEPs in January. Our obvious starting point... Everybody's first priority is and has to be Ukraine. While Ukraine's resistance continues, we must now do what we can to make sure that Ukraine prevails and that its future lies here in the EU. Because if the hope for democracy's future is in Ukraine, Ukraine's hope lies with us. Our task is to continue supporting the Ukrainians who are not only fighting for their independence, but also for a European way of life where right is greater than might. The topics such as solidarity with the people, accountability for the aggressors, sharing of weapons, will probably remain on the table until the end of the year, whether or not the war ends before then especially because of the far-reaching and numerous consequences it has had. Electricity prices and the inflation that went with it were probably the biggest hit for citizens and businesses in 2022. The average inflation rate was 9.2% in the eurozone in December 2022. Now, for energy prices alone, it went up from 42% in October 2022. So it is urgent to respond to that and to try to show citizens that the EU has a role to play in enhancing their living conditions. That's at least what the Socialists and Democrats' chief, Irache Garcia-Perez, believes. She leads the second group in the European Parliament. Right before entering the Hemicycle for a voting session, she listed the three main priorities in this area that will lead the Socialists and Democrats' group works in 2023. The support to the European citizens facing this situation of high inflation in these times, driving the bills down by working on concrete means such as the electricity market reform, for example, but also with a real plan of support for the industry, the workers, while always taking the social dimension into account. Other than the war and its consequences, the groups in the European Parliament have their own distinctive agenda, and it sticks to the usual topics. For the EPP, a big priority for the upcoming month is the Asylum and Migration Pact, that is being discussed since 2020. Priority for the next upcoming weeks is migration. There is a window of opportunity, we have a chance to clarify it. Manfred Weber has been advocating for a tougher line on migration and is pushing for the EU Commission to fund physical fences at the bloc's external borders. This one topic is particularly dear to his group, but not necessarily for the others. On the other side of the spectrum, the Greens have different priorities, and unsurprisingly, they rather relate to climate and environment. These start with fulfilling the Fit for 55 package, a set of legislation aimed at slashing greenhouse gas emissions by 55% by 2030. I met the co-president of the Greens, Philippe Lambert, in his office between meetings and plenary debates.
1: First, bringing most of the Fit for 50 package to the finish line. I think we would not be forgiven if this did not succeed being a leader in the green transition, not just climate transition, but the green transition is actually the only way for the European economy to be competitive, that is, to have something to offer to the rest of the world.
0: The Fit for 55 package and its legislative text have been proposed by the European Commission in July 2021. It contains tools like the revision of the carbon market, a new carbon border adjustment mechanism, or new CO2 norms for vehicles. Many of the texts have recently been subject to a political agreement between the Parliament and the Council, which means they will soon enter into force. But some of them are still in discussions, like the revision of the Renewable Energy Directive, for instance. In fact, some in the Parliament fear that these texts could be derailed, especially by right-wing and far-right MEPs, who would like to put a stop to the regulatory tradition of the EU. On top of the usual priorities, a new economic threat came from the other side of the Atlantic. In the last weeks and months, EU member states and MEPs have been worried about the new US Inflation Reduction Act, also called IRA, that will hand out almost $400 billion in subsidies or tax credits for clean technologies produced locally several EU companies have already announced that they are considering relocation in order to benefit from these incentives. Politicians in the EU are now torn between replicating something similar, that is to say distributing money to the green industry with strings attached, or rather holding back from adding tough new rules for companies. The EPP advocates for the latter, as they think companies can't compete with the rest of the world if they have too many constraints. But on the other side of the ME cycle, MEPs believe that the EU will be more competitive if it leads the way in the green transition. This is the view of the Greens' co-president, for instance. People
1: say companies are complaining because they have additional charges. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I hear a lot of them saying that it's actually not true, that what they need is clarity and stability in the rules. So if we give climate objectives, pesticide reduction goals, pollution reduction goals that are well known and stable throughout the time, it works. We should not change the rules every day, this won't work. But we MEPs are ready to work in that direction. We can see that the pandemic and the war in Ukraine until now have not managed to derail the big elements of the European Green Deal. But now I'm starting to see the danger. We see on the legislative package on nature protection, that is to say the directive on the restoration of natural habitats and the one on the pesticide reduction, these two texts are subject to massive opposition inside the council but also among the right wing of this parliament. And so here there's a real battle to avoid that these texts just die. Concluding them before the end of the mandate might be complicated, but the first objective is that they don't end up in the bin.
0: Not only do the Greens believe that the Green Deal and its constraints are necessary, they also think that we need money to invest in green technologies and be able to compete with the big powers. And this view is also shared by the Liberals in the Renew Europe group and by the Socialists and Democrats. We must support the whole of European industry, an industry that should be green and sustainable, with strategic determinants, And we have to do this with a serious industrial plan, with financial resources, that is to say, new money. We must help all European industries, all countries. And as I say, this also requires an economic plan. A few days ago, the Commission made a step into that direction and proposed a possible sovereignty fund. This could be a medium-to-long-term option to finance its freshly released industrial green deal. But political groups and member states alike have diverging views on the idea of injecting new money. This is only the start of a long political debate. We are coming to the end of this podcast, which I hope has been a great opener to this political year 2023. Follow us for more content around EU affairs. A bientôt!